A very good evening to everybody, and it is wonderful to be in St. Paul's and St. George's after many years, and um, thank you, Dave, for the, for the welcome, and I'd also like to welcome my family who are over there, and my sister, whose birthday it is today. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this passage of a brave woman who was a role model. And we pray, Lord God, that as we unpack what happened in this story, that you would inspire, challenge, and give us vision in your name. Amen. So here we have this story of the great King Xerxes, a um, huge emperor of a mighty empire. Now, we don't know what he looked like, but I have got a picture from a Hollywood version. King Xerxes. He was the emperor of the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians and the Egyptians, and he built this mighty empire, probably mostly on the backs of slaves. We know that he did create great big palaces and huge buildings. And he was very oppressive as well. We know that there was uprisings from the Babylonians and uprisings from the Egyptians. He tried to attack Greece and was defeated by those 300 Spartans. To be married to King Xerxes would have been a very scary thing because he had the power of life and death over you. And we read of this young woman, beautiful woman, Esther, who put her life on the line when she heard that the people she loved, the Jewish people, were going to be threatened with death. An edict had gone out to say that all the Jewish people should be put to death. And instead of staying in her room, covering herself in sackcloth and ashes as well, and praying and saying, let's send thoughts and prayers she takes her courage in her hands and she goes to that mighty king. And he could have killed her for that because he had not given her permission. So today, what is the desperate call that is upon us as the church of God? There is no edict going out to say that the Jewish people should be killed. But there is an edict that has gone out that says that those most vulnerable upon this planet are greatly at risk. For the last 25 years, we have been hearing from scientists who are looking at the study of climate change, who are saying that it is getting worse and worse, who are saying that we are not doing enough. Now, in December 25, there was a gathering in Paris, and 195 countries came together, and they said, we have to do something about climate change. And they committed themselves to keeping climate change below two degrees centigrade increase. But the reality is that even if people did all that they committed to at the Paris climate talks, we are still going to see an increase of 2.7 degrees. We are not doing enough. The edict has gone out and the people of God are threatened. How should 
we then respond. The first people who are being impacted by climate change are the people who live in the small island states. This is, this is somebody from the island of Tuvalu, a small island state who says, help our island, we are drowning. The people who live on small island states are saying 1.5 just to stay alive. As the oceans are rising, oops, the oceans are rising, this is one island. You can see how close the coast is and the water. A very small sea level rise can wipe out an entire island. And what the people who live on the small island states are saying to us is that our lives are at risk. We need 1.5 to stay alive. There's a group of warriors called the Pacific Climate Warriors, and they say this to us. We are more than drowning islands. We are the voices from the peripheries calling to the church in the West to say, please remember your role as stewards of God's creation. Climate change is cyclones flattening Fiji. Climate change is the washing away of the graveyards of our ancestors and the erosion of the future of our children. Climate change changes more than our climate. The stress caused to our common home fractures our communities and displaces our families. For as the sea level begins to rise, then the fields become full of salt and they can no longer grow their traditional crops. And, this, and the government is saying that they will not fly in enough food for them. And they want to displace them and take them out of their traditional islands and move them to big cities on the landline where they will lose their entire cultures and their homes and their families. Climate change is impacting on the most vulnerable. What is the impact on us in Africa? In Africa, the biggest impacts have been in terms of drought and desertification. The Sahara Desert is moving south. Areas which used to be rich, fertile lands are now becoming deserts. People are being forced off their land. We are going to see an increase in climate refugees. I live in Cape Town, and three years ago, we started a drought, the worst drought that we have had for 100 years. The first year was okay, the dam levels went down. The second year, they said, no hose pipes, we must reduce our water usage, only sprinkle at a certain time, and then the third year, it hit us. Every day as you drove along the freeway, there was a sign, dams are 12%, dams are 11%, dams are 9%. They started off and they said we could have 87 liters per person per day, which is more or less a two-minute shower, few liters for washing, few liters for drinking, a little bit of washing for your clothes. And then they said, you can have 50 liters per person per day. And you can shower every second day, a little bucket wash. And then they said, day zero is coming. On day zero, on the 22nd of April, the city taps will be turned off. 3.5 million people will be left without water. We are setting up standpipes, and everybody can go, and each person can receive 20 liters per day. You know what was the most scary thing? 
is that the entire sewage system of the city was going to shut down. What does that mean? It means that schools have to close because children can't go to school if there's no toilets. Businesses were going to close down. The wealthy were okay. The private schools brought in Jojo and water tanks. They dug boreholes. The poorest of the poor, again, would be those who would be the most impacted. And if there's diarrhea and dysentery, who are the ones that die? It's the little children under five. And it was scary. Cape Town is the canary in the mine. We know that there are at least 10 major cities that are threatened with running out of water. Much bigger cities than Cape Town, like Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is combining climate change with the cutting down of the Amazon forests, which is reducing the rainfall. By the year 2040, globally, we will be thought 30% short of fresh drinking water if we don't act now. Climate change is not only affecting countries far away, it is affecting all of us. And so Mordecai challenges Esther. He says, Esther, the people of God are being threatened. Who knows that perhaps you have been placed in this position of being the queen of King Xerxes for such a time as this. Gus Speth, who was the advisor to Bill Clinton, says this. I used to think that top environmental challenges were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that 30 years of good science could address those issues. I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. To deal with these, we need a cultural and spiritual transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. The world is calling for people of faith to stand up and make a difference. For 25 years, we have left it to politicians. For 25 years, we have left it to scientists. We need to work together with politicians and scientists. But in order to combat climate change, we need a change of heart. We need to combat consumerism. We need to combat greed. And that is a spiritual transformation. lost that quote there. <laughs> In the book of Romans, chapter 8, it says that creation is groaning. Creation is groaning with the pains of childbirth, which is actually a very beautiful image because if you think about it, when you're giving birth, it's really, really painful, and this is the process we are going through now in terms of climate change. But childbirth has hope because a child will be born. And we can, through this process of combating environmental degradation and climate change, work for the renewal of this earth and creating 
a better future for the, for the children and grandchildren. Creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Creation is standing on tiptoe waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Creation needs us to stand up and make a difference. So what does Esther do? She is told she's this young, powerless princess, queen to this powerful and scary emperor. She is told that the Jewish people, and she's one of them, nobody knows, so the Jewish people are going to be killed. She could have said, well, I'm safe, I'm in the palace. My life's okay. I will pray for the Jewish people. I will pray that God will protect them. I will send them thoughts and prayers. I will tear my hair. I will dress in, in sackcloth and ashes. But she was willing to speak truth to power. She was willing to speak truth to power. As individuals, the church over the last 25 years has been quite good at getting us to think about our individual lifestyle, reducing our carbon emissions, doing something about plastic. But we are not yet speaking truth to power. And I want to give you an example. We know that not only are we battling climate change, we are also battling a plastic epidemic which is covering the earth. By 2050, there will be more plastic by weight in the oceans than fish. Plastic is already eating the food, entering the food chain. We have plastic in our water, plastic is entering the fish. We are killing this planet with plastic. Now here is the average number of plastic bags that one human being uses in a year. And what is the message? We are told we must all recycle, we must all stop using single-use plastic. But why is the globe using so much plastic? Now this is very interesting. If you go back to the 1950s, 1960s, the big corporations decided that they would make more money if they use move to single-use plastics. Because it takes money to recycle, it takes money to take the, the glass bottles back and take them, wash them and get, send them back out again. It takes money to wash cups and glasses and hire people to wash them. So it's much easier for us to produce single-use plastic. And at the same time, they created, oh sorry, ugh, they created a campaign which was Keep America Beautiful. Now, this campaign invented the word litterbug. And the litterbug campaign said, don't be a litterbug, you are causing the problem. But who caused the problem? The corporates, who in order to make profit, decided to move to single-use plastic. So for us to fight this problem and to protect God's world and God's oceans, we need to learn from Esther and speak truth to power. We need to go to the corporates. I need to recycle. I need to use a cloth bag. 
But that is not enough to heal our oceans. We need to get our corporates to stop using single-use plastic. That is speaking truth to power. When it comes to fossil fuels, yes, I can reduce and I must, in solidarity with those who are being impacted by climate change, I must reduce my carbon emissions. But the reality is that the fossil fuel companies are making their profit from the reserves. Now have a look at this picture. This is the carbon budget. The 2,860 gigatons of carbon dioxide is, that is how much will be produced if all the oil, coal, and gas, which is, has already been found, is burnt. Now, the value of the stocks of the, of the fossil fuel companies depends on the reserves that they have found. So their, their stocks are worth a lot of money because they know that there's this much oil and gas and coal. But we cannot burn it all. The amount that we can burn is that 565. The rest must remain unburnt. That means that fossil fuel companies will not be able to make a profit out of it. Now, the only way that we can get people to shift is by speaking truth to power. We need to go to our bosses in our companies that we work with and say, guys, we need to move to renewables. We've got to reduce our lighting bill. We've got to reduce our electricity bill. We need to speak truth to power to our politicians. I know that there are some um, bills that are going to be going through in the next few months. What can we as the church do to protect our neighbors in the small island states, our neighbors in Africa? How can we speak truth to power? How can we be like Esther, change our personal lifestyles, but also speak truth to power? If we remain silent, God will bring salvation but the children of God will lose out. Said in Esther, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Other people will be involved in helping to protect this planet. The corporates, the business people may come in. But what kind of world will we create? If we as people of faith can push for change, if we as people of faith can push for renewal of the earth, we can create that better world. We can create a world where energy is not producing wealth for the 1%, as oil does at the moment. Renewable energy has the possibility for creating wealth for the poorest of the poor. A school in a township in South Africa can produce renewable energy and feed it into the grid. We can reduce inequality on our globe. We are being called to stand up and make a difference. If we remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will come.
from another place. It is an exciting time to be part of history because we are seeing the birthing of a new renewal of this earth. But we are experiencing the pains and what we do in the next five years is crucial and critical to fighting climate change. Now, how does change take place? What can I do? What can you do? The first thing to remember is that transformational change, Tiffan says this, takes place when individuals are networked. So I can do my little action, recycling here, going on my bicycle to work here. But if I am networked with other people who are doing the same, then my actions have meaning. And then we together can form a movement that can put pressure onto power. We can go to the politicians, we can go to the business people, and we can say, we want change. We know that God loved this planet. We know that God called us to be stewards of this earth. And we know that we have done a very bad job at it. We have failed to steward this earth in the way we should. But God is calling the generation to rise up now to be healers of the earth. The time for being stewards has passed. Now we must work to heal the earth. It says in Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now, when we believe in a new earth, there are two words in Greek for new. The one is neos, and the one is kainos. Now, if I smash my car, and I go and I get a completely new car, that's neos. But if I take my car to the panel beater, and I make it beautiful, and it's clean, and all sorted out, that is kainos. It's not brand new. It is renewed. It is restored. It is redeemed. And that is what God is telling us to do to this earth. We are to work for a new earth. We're not taking this old earth and throwing it away and getting a new one. We are renewing, restoring, redeeming this earth. That is the vision of a renewed creation. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross? Colossians 1 verse 20. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Creation is standing on tiptoe, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. We are being called to renew this earth, to renew this planet, to be at the front of change and combating climate change because we care for our brothers and sisters on the small island states, because we care for our brothers and sisters in Africa. God is calling people within this congregation. There are people with many different skills in research, in campaigning, in practical ways of getting involved in theology and mobilizing young people in social media. God is calling you to be involved in renewing the face of this planet on behalf of the God that we love and on behalf 
of the neighbors and the brothers and sisters that we care for.